Cool. Okay, we're live on LinkedIn today. I'm joined by Tyler Sullivan, who is the founder of BombTech Golf and Econ Growers. I know we run in the same circles quite a lot, Tyler, but for people who don't know who you are, give us an intro into your story and how you, how you got started. Yeah, so I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I started in 2011 um, and had no goal or vision of becoming an e-commerce business owner, entrepreneur, and having another company. So I was just competing in this really niche sport called uh, World Long Drive, where you try to hit a golf ball as far as you can. It's like home run derby of golf. And I was, I mean, I wasn't that good. I was probably the worst one. But during that process, I started assembling different, like really odd golf club setups and actually broke like nine drivers. And it wasn't from my, my muscles, but it was from the inability of this local club builder who's building me these like custom clubs, assembling them for me. I just started breaking them like during competition. And I said, I need to learn how to assemble my own club. How hard can it be? So I started assembling golf clubs in my basement. And then my buddy who I played with was like, hey, can you make me one? I'm like, sure. He's like, how much? I'm like, I don't know. Like, 100 bucks. <laughs> what, what? I don't even know. Um, so that was my first epiphany. Like, okay, that's cool. Then I made the world's worst website you've ever seen. This is 2011. I was on some platform you never heard of. It had like a caricature of a guy flexing, breaking a golf club, sold nothing on it for six months, like literally nothing. And then I moved to like a, another terrible platform and I was on my boat uh, on Lake Champlain in beautiful Vermont. And it's, it wasn't a yacht or anything. And I'll <laughs> never forget, I'm, I'm on the boat with my wife and I get an email on my phone. It's like a Blackberry, like it's so old school. And it was, I read it, it's like an order for $290. I was like, what does that even mean? I just sold something on, online. This is like, and I'm like, wait, I'm on the boat fishing, drinking beer. I'm like, let me do more of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that, that was my first epiphany. And then like, this is early days. And so I just started documenting kind of what I was doing on Facebook. And this was back when I had like, I don't know, 200 likes, but they actually could see all your stuff, 100% organic reach. And I just didn't know what I was doing. So I just documented like, hey, guys, I'm hitting balls today. Like, what are you doing? Like, just like create, just documenting as I built the club, as I worked with the University of Vermont, I worked in my local college where I barely graduated um, and designed a golf club. And I just documented it as I went with no expectations of anything. And I cashed in my 401k because I was nuts. Um, and I made like, I can't remember how many clubs I made like 50 or 100 clubs. And at that time, it was a ton of money. And I was like broke. And I luckily, because I documented my journey, and I think I had like email signups like back then to like pre-order. And I sold like 10 grand when I first launched. I was like, oh, that's good. Let's do more of that. <laughs> um, and then Facebook ads happened, Facebook video happened. And then like there's a whole 97 different evolutions that happened. But I was able to scale it with traffic and email and you know then i got fired from my day job and then I'll, I'll transition here but like i got fired from my day job when bomb tech was a side hustle and i found out my wife was pregnant the week before thanksgiving and that moment was the kick in the ass i needed to go from side hustle to full-time gig because i could not feel any more pressure no job kid on the way fire right before the holidays and that year was probably the hardest year of my life and I worked 20 hours a day, seven days a week, trying to figure it out, did all the wrong stuff um, with a newborn. And, um, you know, 
I was able to scale it up. And now I, I transitioned to working like on the econ brand, like four hours a week. And I own two companies, but it was not a straight path and it was not expected, you know? That's quality. Did you have any type of engineering background? How did you make the clubs? Or did you just learn from scratch? Yeah. So, no, I mean, I was a golfer. I grew up playing golf and then I got obsessed with, you know, a long drive. And I just like, actually, I was talking to my buddy, one of my frat brothers at UVM, like, and I was like, dude, I sold a couple of clubs online. I want to make my own brand. He's like, well, you're not that smart. I'm like, you're not wrong. And he's like, why don't you call University of Vermont where we both graduated? I did take five years, but um and see if they'll work with you and they have every year i didn't know this they had a capstone project where you get to work with a group of students four students yeah. faculty and we just worked together like hand in hand i was there every week every like once a week i was like it was the coolest thing ever to me and we designed these dual cabby driver i found a manufacturer we made prototypes and it was a process and i had no idea if it was going to work. And then like when we got the finished prototype, I went to the range. This is like, this is my aha moment. There's been so many of those in nine, 10 years. I went to the range with the first prototype. I hit two balls and they were like the best drives of my life. And the guy next to me, this was like in the, in March, like snow on the ground, he's hitting balls and he's much better. He's like, what is that? I go, Oh, it's bomb tech. He's like, what is that? I go, Oh, I made it. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? And like, he goes, can I hit, can I hit it? I was like, Sure, go ahead. And he, he took two swings, said nothing. I go, oh, shit, he hates it. And um, he goes, how is this possible? I'm hitting it farther and straighter than my other club. And he bought it on the spot. And that was like, that was my first one. Like, oh, my God, this random guy. I just told him what it was. He just bought it. So, he like, there were so many evolutions to what yeah. happened. But it was, that was a cool moment. So, a lot of cool moments, a lot of painful moments, <laughs> you know. Brilliant. I love it, mate. Love it. Actually, let's let's go back to when you said you had your newborn on the way and you you mentioned a few times you've been quite vocal that you were working 20 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. Now, there comes a point where you need to get out of the way that you've said and, and let other people do their job. When was that moment for you? And what allowed you to really systemize certain elements of the business to help it grow? Yeah, that was so hard for me because I think any entrepreneur even if you're an accidental entrepreneur like me has wants to control every process almost to a fault and i definitely strangled the business in a lot of capacities early on um but like for example i was assembling clubs myself um you know doing the shipping i remember being proud of holding how many boxes i could hold into the ups store because i'd be like i can hold 20 clubs at a time and i realized really when i had my second kid that this is i can't live this life anymore and yeah. i took six weeks off and that was my my i said i gotta take six weeks off because i gotta be there for my kid i got two kids i gotta help out more and during that time I, I had to delegate stuff so i just started delegating even if i did it poorly and what do you think happened to sales Oop. they went up and that was my aha moment where i was like i'm not that important I did have to find the right people. And that's probably the hardest thing is like you built something that people like, you have some, some sales, proof of concept, brand, all these things that you've done. How do you find the right people to take it to the next level? And that for me was my aha moment to be like, okay. And now from there, I've like systematized in what I built is my hit by a bus system where if I die tomorrow or hit by a bus, sounds morbid. Can someone step in and run bomb tech? And the answer is yes, but it took 
Like it's taken me, that's all I work on now is just like optimizing the operations to a point that it could be transferred to anyone or anyone could step into my monday.com bomb tech platform and go, okay, this is accounting. This is marketing. This is what products are coming. This is the POs. And that's so hard to do. And, and you get in this trap as an entrepreneur to want to do everything to feel busy. And I yeah. used to do that. Oh my God, that's all I did. So now I'm like, I need stuff to do. Um, that's my joke. But like, and now I try to live life. So I go skiing, fishing, golfing as much as I can. And, and I spend so much time with my family. But I, I put constraints on my day now. So that, I, that when, I, when I am working, I'm actually working on stuff that, ha- that pulls a big lever. Um, but it's really hard to delegate and do that, especially early on. So if, I, if you told me seven years ago, hey, you need to hire someone to run ads, do your email, ship your clubs, I'd say, screw you. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd say you can't do it. Um, so it's, it's an evolution. I, I would like to say everyone just delegate it out and do it, but you have to learn it enough to be dangerous to then delegate it. You know what I mean? So learn it. I learned everything myself, drove it to like 1.2 million. And then I just started delegating and really letting go. Um, and now it's like, I don't even, my best sales days, I don't even have Shopify on my phone anymore. I don't even know. And it's, it's a freeing feeling, you know? So the marriage survives, which is the most important thing. Yes, thank, thank God. <laughs> Good stuff. And how do you capture those processes? What have you done in particular? Any techniques? Is it just a case of recording videos, showing people how to do it, investing in training? What's your, your trick there? Yeah, so it's pretty crude how I've done it, but I, I siloed out our experts. So I've got, obviously, an email expert with the agency. Uh, I've got an ads guy who does Facebook, Google, and Instagram. Then I've got 3PL, a CRO guy, and these are all separate agencies. So like, yeah. I, I really, I only have two guys in house, and they do customer service because that's, in my opinion, the thing that I can control the most to have an impact on lifetime value. So I pay them well. They have full health benefits. Like everyone else is like, I just outsource it cheap. I pay them the most, and then I've got a group of experts, and I'm just the coordinator of BS. Like I get them something they need, this something they need. And then from like a documentation method, I've got my experts. And then I just have a Monday board based on like, uh, what's the word? Uh, Not category, but by position, accounting, marketing, uh, product design, customer service. And then from there, I'll just make a Loom video. I'm like the king of Loom. And it's like the world's worst video. I'm like, got a hat on. I'm like, hey guys, this is how you make a PO. You go into inventory planner, you click this button, then you do this. And it's like so mundane. And then I just upload it to the Monday board of how to uh, on that on each category. Then I just what I do is if I still have something left and I have it documented, it will first if I really have to do it. If I don't have to do it, I remove it. If I can't remove it, I, I try to automate it. If I can't automate it, then I make a loom video and then I delegate it. So I put it in Monday. And if no one's there doing the job and it's left to me, I go, well, should I do this? Usually no. Who should do this? And then I literally will find that person and then add them to that board and say, this is your job. And now they do it. If they do it poorly, that's on me. I didn't vet them well. If they do it well, great. Keep moving. And that's kind of how I've I've done it. And it is frustrating some days because I want to do more. I want to work more. And I'm like, I really can't at this point with the econ brand, I can't like really hit the gaps. I have nothing really any levers I can really pull outside of recurrent efforts, which is kind of crazy to say, but it's, it's a little more mature business is year nine. 
you know, and I'm, I'm an old dude. I'm 36 now with two kids and, you know, I'm not in the computer. Like I, I can barely find my computer most days. So it's like, I'm not in the computer, run the ads, send the emails. And I shouldn't be, I'm not that good. You know, it's like, I have experts and people that are better than me. Yeah. Loom's a great tool as well. I love that. I think it's, um, you need people who are self-starters too, right? It's like who are just willing to just find out a way to do something. LinkedIn user, Tyler is a legend. <laughs> I'll show you that. I won't, won't be able to see who that is until after the live. Yeah, perfect. I like it. Incognito. Amanda Doran. That's actually my mom. Thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, mom. Okay. Um, let, let's talk about, um, you mentioned customer service then, and you take it very seriously, where a lot of people um, tend to outsource it. Uh, where is it? I'm coming on to this in a second. Um, okay. So, so just to touch on that. What yeah. do people typically get wrong with customer service and why have you identified that as a real key channel? Yeah, so early on, I was doing all the customer service myself. I remember how painful it was when someone wanted to return something or like something happened to a club. And I think that's one of the powers of getting out of the weeds yourself is you can let them do a better job than you would because you make mate may make decisions that are not a right for not are that are not right for the customer so like i saw the benefits of that like years ago when i was taking all the phone calls and i just say you know what if i'm the customer what would i want to have happen and really my guys are trained to do the unexpected like they have a budget and they can do whatever they want to send free stuff uh give a refund send a new club like there is no ask they don't have to ask me ever to like do something to wow someone and you know, we do personal videos for every order now, which the guys are like all day doing that. We do thank you voicemails, thank you cards, like all, and that's like cool stuff that I could, you can kind of scale, but it's really at the end of the day, we reply fast as we possibly can. And we reply thoroughly in a manner that will solve the problem and wow them. So we don't like wait to hear from them of like, hey, we, let's say we ship the wrong item, right? We don't say, hey, can you send it back? Like with a return ticket, we'll just send them a new club that they want originally and they can keep the other set. And yeah. they're like, what, what do you mean? Like, oh, just give it to your buddies. And that goodwill is really like a separator for us. And a lot of people say they have good customer service, but they don't. Um, so like at a high level, we use Help Scout. And like, yeah. that's how I can tell, like we have a basic satisfaction rating and we've got like a 97, 98 across thousands and thousands of tickets. And, you know, it's just believing in my guys that are real golfers, they love the brand. And, you know, they're getting paid full health benefits and a salary to do customer service, which, you know, really most people outsource completely. I do have a 24-7 outsource team that does after-hour tickets and weekend to yeah. help out with that load. But my core guys are in-house. And most of what they do on the weekends is just like, hey, got your ticket, going to send it to a manager if they can't solve it. And even just that, the speed is, yeah. is key. So it's two things. It's, it's wowing customers and the speed of reply, you know. It's almost like a customer experience role and not just saying support, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. It's huge. I mean, for me, it's tough because we don't sell a consumable. So it's like yeah. for us, to, for them to buy another product is a product extension. So it's yeah. like we really got to do a good job to get that repeat order rate up. And I think we're at like 40% or 35 which for a hard goods company is crazy. You know, yeah, so like yeah. and we really launch new versions like every three, four years. So it's, it's, that's, I say, you know what, they're buying very expensive products or average order guys like 200 bucks. 
let's let's throw down and do something that I want as a golfer, you know, and, and me being separated from it allows them to do a better job than if I was like, oh, I don't know if we should send out that club. It's going to cost me a hundred dollar. You know what I mean? So it's it, it's just if you're in business, why not wild them? You know, definitely. Yeah. Why do you think a lot of people don't go to that effort, though? Do you think it's just complacency because they think, oh, you know, I'm just going to retarget someone on Facebook or something like that? Do you think maybe the nature of your business, like you said, not being a repeat consumable, you've been forced into doing that? I think you wanted, you have to want to do it in some capacity. I think, yeah. I think I started this business out of passion. I didn't start to make money. I think if you're looking and starting an e-com brand, and e-com's hot now, which it wasn't hot when I started. If you want to start an e-com brand to make money, I think you've got the wrong, wrong goals and wrong vision. Therefore, you're going to take wrong actions. Like you're going to skimp on this. You're going to like try to save a buck here, try to save a buck on this. Whereas I look at it as an investing in the brand because it's a you know it's a real brand. I mean and. I'd rather have someone have that good experience. So when they're on the golf course and I see someone that knows me, which is really weird, they, they love it. And they're, they're true fans, you know, which is, I'm so fortunate and lucky. It's like, I don't know. I just feel like I owe it to them as a golfer to do that. You know? And I think if you're coming out of it to make a buck, which I never intended, I think it just, your goals don't line up with your actions. Your actions won't line up because your goals aren't right. I guess would be the best. Yeah. Way to do it. Yeah. No, definitely. I think um, it's, it's nice, like you say, you're just building good relationships and the sales are coming naturally as a byproduct of yeah. that trust and liking people. So, yeah, just to touch on marketing channels, obviously customer experience sounds like it's very big for you. But I know, um, and we'll come on to this in a second, email. Uh, we both have an email agency. Um, give us an overview of like how everything works together, the ecosystem and what's been most effective for you. Yeah, so it's funny. It's so easy to get distracted with marketing tactics, marketing channels. And I, I even in 2016 or 17, I can really tell you that I tried every marketing channel and tactic that existed on the planet because I became obsessed. And I, and, I, and I realized that year was actually one of our worst years um, because I tried all this stuff and I lost sight of what the brand was and what we do best. And I just tried stuff, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest things from marketing thing that you can lose focus on. And it's front, yeah. it's one of those things where you, you want to get traction. So you try TikTok ads, you try Snapchat ads, you try posting Reddit ads. Like well, there's a billion things you could try. Amazon, this. And for me, after doing this for nine years, being an old man, it's like, we know it works for us. We have, and if something new comes up, we will test it. But it's not like we're obsessed and it's going to make or break us. So it's like, we got Facebook, we need traffic. So it's Facebook, Google, Instagram. Um, those are four. We do some SEO. So those four. And then you have um, email and SMS. And like at a simple level, that's it. You know what I mean? And we, we do have a group on Facebook that's more of a customer retention tool. It's like 10,000 owners in there, but it's not like a sales channel. So we just need traffic. And then we need a way. And, and how I look at email from an owner's perspective is like, if Facebook ads die tomorrow, Google ads triple tomorrow, email is my asset. That's the yes. only thing I owe. So if I burnt that list out and had $3 million of inventory I had to move, I'm dead, right? But if I've, if I've nurtured that list and had real conversations and these you know, email subscribers and the customers of so those two lists actually engage, then guess what? I could sell that product. So I, I think of it and also like 
if ever someone wanted to buy us, like that's what they're buying, you know, is that yeah. that list. And then like SMS has been new. And I look at SMS as, you know, email is the core. I don't think that's ever going to change. Everyone says it's going to die every year. It never does. And then SMS is, bit, is pretty cool because you can see crazy spikes in traffic and whatever. But that's just like the cherry on top. Um, so we, we email is the core. SMS is like just that next level. And that's really it. I don't think I don't know if I'm missing anything else, but we try to keep it simple and just be the best at those. And then I, I focus on product and offers. You know, like that's what I do best or try to do is like just make the best freaking golf club I can and make an offer that we can scale. That's it. Good stuff. Love it. So on email, I know going back to the point you said, it's not a typical repeat consumable brand. So how do you communicate with the audience after they've bought from you? How does that affect the campaign strategy? Yeah, so I'm a huge fan of just like conversational email. And this is kind of what I did early days with social media. And I brought it to our channel that drives almost revenue, which is email. Um, so it was like on Facebook and stuff, like 90% of my posts, especially way back, would be a question. They'd be like, hey, I like, uh, would you rather do this or that? Or like, hey, I've got 200 yards left. What club do you hit? Just simple questions that people want to engage with. Yeah. Because they know the answer. And it's like, cool, I'm just going to comment. Or they make a joke or whatever. So we do that in email. So we have a promote, you know, an aggressive hype launch system for new products. But if we're not hyping or launching, we send promo deals, obviously. But then yeah. between those promo deals, we've got content and engagement. Engagement's my favorite tier because then we get replies, and that moves the guys or guys, the clients, clients, our email list subscribers and customers from uh, promotions to the inbox. And then we have real conversations with guess who? My customer support guys that care and are paid well, and they're like, oh, cool, I got this feedback on this club. Or like they answer the thing, they're like, cool, I, I would hit the same club. And it's just, it changes it from like selling to like now we're having thousands of real conversations through years. And yeah. then it's like, oh, a new club comes out. It's almost a natural thing for them to buy it. So it, it, and like last year we did, I think 7.1 mil. And of that we did 41% of revenue from email. So it was, you know, it's always, 35 to 50% depending on launches, you know? Great stuff. Completely. I wonder why a lot of people don't invest more in that, just speaking to the customers. They always want to, like you say, jump to the next marketing gimmick or hack rather than realizing that if you just get people talking to the brand, they'll just buy from you anyway because they like and trust you. It's a hard thing to do because I think also e-commerce is a difficult business to run and there is a pressure to, to make profit and revenue because of cash flow. I think that's yeah. one thing that a lot of potential, like myself included five, six years ago, I remember doing like, and this is early days, so the lives changed, but doing a million dollars and be like, I'm broke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now that's very different and you know that's not the case, but I think early on, it depends on, on the e-com brand, how deep they are, but it's hard to do those things that don't drive revenue because you need the money or you want to scale. So it's like, these are all the things that I've done because I've been doing it for years. And I don't, it sounds weird. I don't really need the money. I mean, I do need the money, but everyone needs money. But it's not like I have this pressure to make, you know, I've got a loan or something, got to pay back tomorrow. So again, I think that always goes back to like, what's the goal and then your actions, is it the right goal? And then your actions will follow that. So for me, it's like, this is my goal and these are my actions. But if you're trying to just 
make money, then you're just going to blast promo after promo and promo, and then your list is shit. You know what I mean? Um, I think the second part, too, a lot of what we do with email is simplify. Like we do a lot of plain text. We do like maybe one image, one call to action versus like a really overly designed newsletter with like a million calls to action. And we, we do that just because it, it, it's more native to the platform, whereas an e-com owner may feel like that's not enough. And that's a gut feel that's wrong. It's just like I want to do more. Therefore, I'm going to make this email complicated as hell. You know what I mean? And myself am, um, have fall, fell victim to wanting to do more and then making stuff worse. So it's like our strategy with email is like engage, run simple, effective emails with copy that engages and have good offers and get people to open. So it's like, it's kind of simple. But people really, especially in e-com, I don't know why, but e-com, everyone wants to go technical and make it more than it is, you know? Yep. That's just what I've seen. It's definitely a lost art. I mean, I can, I can say we're quite design focused in our agency and we're going to come on to agencies in a moment, but I still do throw a couple of text-based emails in for the clients every month. Yep. And it's funny how effective they are. And one time I had a client say, what the fuck? They messaged me and says, why did this just go out? And then he yep. had amazing sales from it. He said, you can't send stuff like this. And I explained the, the methodology behind it and it was great sales. So it's definitely a lost art. It sounds crazy because like you said, that's native to email, but a lot yeah. of people are um, looking for the, the next big thing. So why did you start an email agency then? You've got a great e-commerce business. What made you go down this path? Again, this was an accidental entrepreneur trip number two. Um, so my first employee at BombTech, Chris, was like the most unique individual ever. He was actually one of the engineering students at UVM mm -hmm. that designed one of my clubs. I remember early days before he even became an engineering student, he reached out and was like, I'm going to work for you and engineer clubs. And I'm like, dude, you're not even a senior yet. And when he became an employee, he was my first employee ever. And he would work all day, every day. He would, I remember him texting me at two in the morning, leaving the bars. Like, did you see the conversion rate on the website? Like he was just, I don't know how else to describe him. He was the hardest working person I've ever met, would do anything, always came up with ideas. So I, I gave made him my number two, my right-hand man. Yeah. And he ran all my email uh, from like 2000, I don't know, 15, I forget all the years, to 18 or something, or 17. And, and then Clavio did a case study on our success. Like we had a really high revenue from email. And Chris was like, I'm like, dude, what do you want? Because I, I was paying him well, but he wasn't killing it. He was still young. And then people started messaging me like, hey, I know you're killing it with e-com. Can you help my brand? And I was like, no. And I kept saying no. And then people kept messaging me. I was like, maybe I should help them. But I didn't know what to do. And Chris is like, hey, I do your email. What if I do their email? I go, that'd be cool. And I said, why don't you do this? I go, if you want a side hustle, I'll support you. I, I want nothing in the world except for you to win, dude, because you've done everything and everything for me and my brand. So if you want to do it, I support you. So I said, here's three people. And I think he closed them on his own. And he went out, closed three deals. And I said, just tell me what happens in a month. Okay. So he came back in a month. He's like, dude, I doubled the revenue. I was like, okay, that's good. I go, you want to do more of that? He's like, yes. So really just organically from there, I just started funneling him leads and he just ran with it. And the next thing we know, you know, we got five clients, 10 clients, 15 clients. Now we've got like 35 clients. And really we have iterated a million times from then 
Um, and then he stepped away from Bombtech, and now the agency, Ecom Growers, now runs my email. And we've got a team of eight. We just hired another person, a team of nine. And it was it was something I never saw coming. You know, it's just he he was my guy to do email. He did a great job for me. He had a passion to do it. I said, if you want to partner up, I'll support you and try my best. And now he does. He really runs the team in fulfillment. I run the systems and get the leads. And it's been great. And now we're like, you know, we got 35 clients and we're trying to scale that up. And it's a very different business. And it was just a natural step. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to go out and start an email agency. You know, like to make more money. It's like, Chris has his passion. We have a demand. Can we fill it? And can we do a great job doing it? And once he started showing me the results, I was confident to invest in him and in the business. And now it's, it's a, it has more people than BombTech. You know, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, and it's a very different business. And I, I just kind of do whatever I can. And my main job too is just to do podcasts and have fun with it. And we're trying to, you know, also have a business that, you know, is fun to be at. So we pay full health benefits now, high salaries. And it's like, it's cool, you know? Amazing. Yeah, it's great building that team culture between people and everyone wins. Absolutely. What are the core differences then for you between, uh, because as you said, this is similarities in the sense that you're both working with e-commerce people, but in terms of managing the day-to-day, what are the core challenges and differences between the two? I mean, they couldn't be more different. I could talk about this for a week. Um, I mean, so e-commerce, in my opinion, is very scalable, right? So it's like we have a fulfillment center in Wisconsin. We could ship 1,000 clubs, 10,000 clubs a day. doesn't change my day at all, right? Uh, whereas service-based industry, if we sign five clients, well, guess what? We need another person. So it's like it is a people-service yeah. business. And the biggest difference is it, to scale, you need people. You need systems for both, but you need more people in the agency. You need great people. And the benefit of that business is the cash flow. So, like, e-commerce is more scalable. You know, you can do seven, ten million with two people and a couple agencies if you do it right. But I also had to go spend $2 million in inventory. So it's a – and those are, you know, 60 days ahead. So it's – I like them both for their different things. And like, I love the days when you can do a hundred thousand a day with e-com and I'm fishing all day, right? Like take a full circle. Whereas the agency, it's like, it's a little, I wouldn't say more steady, but it's more traditional business. So we're really focusing on like the culture piece, paying people well. And like, that's been tough. I'll be honest. Like that's new to us. And we're probably not like, I'm more of a builder of businesses. And now it's like, I build things to a certain point. And then I try to find someone that can do it better. You know what I mean? So like we're trying to find an operations person that can manage that team now that we have the right systems. And that's kind of like what I think my next evolution is like build a business, build the systems in any industry, find the people and then get out of the way and let it scale. And that's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if I'll have a third business, but I'm just kind of having as I get older, these different thoughts of like what's fun and the building part's always fun and the growth is always fun. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm really fortunate we're we're killing it right now and having fun with it. But it's we're really investing in the people right now, and that's that's a whole different battle. That's our overhead, you know. Yeah, that exactly the same position. I resonate with that. I think if you have an agency, you need a well. Well, you need a well-oiled machine in any business, but you need 
everyone needs to be really happy because if someone drops the ball with their finds, that infects the whole culture. Yeah. Um, we found that the project manager is actually probably can be the most stressful role because they're speaking to so many clients and then also um, having conversations with design and there's so many moving parts. So I think you really need to keep their morale up in particular. Yeah, and we're all remote. So like that's the other challenge is like, we're trying to give compensation, you know, benefits as a retention tool and keep, keep them happy. And I'm also trying to figure out, cause it's not, they're all, everyone's different, has their own unique personality. It's not like at golf where everyone just golfs. So it's like one core passion that's really easy for us. Like, yeah, let's just go golf, right? Or whatever. Whereas we have all these different people that like all different things and our general thing that brings us together is marketing, which is not necessarily a pure passion for everyone. So. We're, we're still definitely working on that. And what we've done recently is we're like, if you guys like we're kind of making committees, like, hey, why don't you guys run it and tell us what you want versus us top down, be like, hey, let's do this, you know, sip and paint or whatever online comedy show that they may not even like. So I'm trying to take the same approach and just asking them like, hey, what do you guys want to do? What's your ideal job? What's your ideal day? And trying to make that, you know, and like instead of me trying to dictate, I never want to be a boss like that does that and i think our if anything we we may give too much free reign but we but really the whole goal is just to trust yeah we try to take a step back and build a better system for everything i think we're we're really there where we can say hey here's a system you have the autonomy to do what you think is best within the system and we're not going to micromanage you you live your best life pay you well have fun and if we can do anything to make your experience better, we will. Just kind of like clients. It's like we have employee satisfaction, client satisfaction. But I, I see some of these agencies that are doing like they have like 500 clients. And I'm like, I just know it's possible. And we're just like right at this tipping point. And I'm like, we just need to push the gas. So it's an exciting time in that business. And same with golf. We're growing really aggressively now. Um, and we should break, you know, we're shooting to do 12 million this year. So it, COVID and the world is a mess. And I hope we're like so close to getting out of that. And it's it's been, I hate to say it, but it's been amazing for ecom and the agency. Yeah. Because both, both are scaling. And I, I can't wait for the day where we can just celebrate and I can kiss everyone and give high fives. You know what I mean? So it's like, I have so many things to celebrate, but with COVID, it's been tough. And, um, you know, I'm just hoping the world's at a better place soon and we can enjoy all the, all the wins we've had. Mate, I'm hundred percent with you. That will be nice, and yeah, let's let's hope the end is in sight. God, yeah, seriously, it's been tough. Cool. Well, Tyler, I really appreciate your time. If anyone wants to find out more about ecom growers or connect with you, um, what's the best route? Uh, I mean, if they're an ecom agents or ecom brand, you know, ecomgrowers.com. If they want to talk with me, I've been pretty active on LinkedIn, although I deleted it from my phone. Um, at Tyler Sullivan, or if you're a golfer, bombtechgolf.com, and uh, hopefully can talk to you soon. Perfect. Well, I'm going to leave a tag in the uh, comments on here, so if anyone's got any questions afterwards, feel free to leave them so that you can get around to them. But thanks very much for your time. I'm going to end this here, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.